All right. Well, good morning. Great to see you guys. Uh, great to see all those kids uh, getting to go out and uh, learn more about Jesus. Um, and uh, great to be able to worship together uh, this morning. Um, just so we get started, just to throw out a question, um, I, I was curious, when you think about the last time you had the opportunity to just sit with somebody uh, that really knows you and loves you, uh, maybe a friend, maybe a spouse, maybe a parent, just sit with them and really look them in the eye and ask, how are you doing? How are you doing really? To have that kind of conversation. I wonder when the last time you had that opportunity was. The reason I mention that is because um, I think that gets at the idea of what we're aiming to do uh, in this series we're calling God's Very Heart. Uh, it, it's the opportunity to kind of have a check-in with God, as if he would say to us, like, hey, how are you really doing? How's your heart? How's your soul? How are you doing? And we could have that conversation with him. And that's the goal, um, is that our heart would draw near to his heart as he draws near to us, that we would connect with him at that deep level, encounter him in that personal way. And so that's what we're going to continue to do this morning. Uh, we're going to draw near to God's heart. And as we draw near to his heart, we're going to discover um, something really beautiful and powerful about God's heart. In particular, we're going to discover that God's heart is a comforting heart. God's heart is a comforting heart. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And I think it's something that we desperately need. We desperately need to be reminded of God's comforting heart, his consolation, right? The solace that God's heart offers us, the, the freedom from our pain, from our grief, from stress, you know, the sense of being able to take a deep breath of relief, comfort, God's comforting heart. We said from the beginning of this series, part of the reason I just feel like this is where the Lord's been leading us is we, we are so desperately in need of being reminded of God's comfort. This past year has chewed us up and spit us out in so many ways. And so we may look great on the outside, we may have been walking in here smiling. You may actually even feel really great today. Praise God. But at the same time, my guess is if I were to sit down and have an intentional conversation, I'd probably be a few questions away from really getting in touch with something internal inside your heart where you really need comfort. You really need God's comforting heart. And so that's what we want to do this morning because life is hard. Life is hard for all of us, our hearts and our minds and our bodies, we get hurt, we get waylaid by this world, we get wounded over time, and we have scars seen and unseen, and we need God's comfort. So the question is, where will we turn to find that comfort? Where will we turn? Where have you turned in your life, in your heart, to find the comfort that you desperately long for? And I want to encourage you, what if you stopped looking all those places? What if we stopped looking for the comfort in all these other places and turned to these incredible words we just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, to the God of all comfort? That's what we want to do this morning, is turn to him. So I want to invite you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. And if you don't have a physical Bible, there should be one near you and a seat back. I want to encourage you to open that. Um, if you want to open that, I, I wrote down, that's page 964. So if you need a little help, just go to 964 in that black Bible and help you out. 
Let me just read, uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I just wanna read these few verses in uh, three and four. Uh, Paul says, where do we turn for comfort? We turn to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. In all our affliction. So this morning, the God of all comfort is inviting us to bring our damaged, wounded, scarred hearts before his comforting heart. Inviting us, the God of the universe is inviting us to let our defenses down. I just want to invite you to do that. Let your defenses down. Allow yourself to be in a place where maybe you could just receive what God has for you to be honest with him this morning and to allow him to comfort you. So with that uh, verse open in front of you, those verses three through 11 in chapter two, just scan it real quick. Just look, look, look over those verses. I wonder if anything stands out to you as you read over those verses. I'll tell you what stood out to me. In these uh, nine verses, Paul uses the word comfort no less than 10 times. Nine verses, 10 times, comfort. Do you think he has a point? Comfort, 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 comfort. Over and over he says it. Paul says we have a need for comfort. And for Paul, it's not theoretical. It is not an abstract need. It is a very real need. It is personal for him. And we know that. How do we know that? Because in this same passage, Paul talks about what? He talks about his trouble. He talks about affliction, suffering, burden, despair. He mentions all of that in the midst of God's comfort. He's talking about real, in the trenches, in the throes of life, comfort, real comfort. And so to start with this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look, I want us to dig into Paul's words a little bit here so that we might better understand exactly what is he saying about this comfort and this God of comfort. And so the first thing I think he's pointing us to is this, that there, there is a real physical and emotional and spiritual need for comfort. There's a real physical, emotional, and spiritual need for comfort. So why does Paul need comfort himself? He, he tells us that he needs comfort for his physical suffering, right? He, he talks about the fact that he suffered as a follower of Jesus. If you read the letter of 2 Corinthians, he gets to this in chapter 11. He enumerates all the ways that he has suffered and all the afflictions he's endured, exposure to elements, humiliation, beating with whips and rods, stoned, imprisoned, abandoned, sleepless nights, hungry. He even talks about the terror of shipwreck and being uh, left in the sea for a night. He, he, he was exposed to all this physical suffering. And then he needed comfort for his emotional suffering. In this same letter, he, he, he talks about what it means to be betrayed by those he loved. He says this in chapter 2, verse 4, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears. This entire letter is marked by his heartbreak. Paul's talking about the fact that he'd helped plant this church in Corinth, and after he's left, what's happened is these, uh, these false teachers who are gifted and, and charismatic, and they're drawing people in the church to themselves, and they're actually teaching a gospel that's counter to Paul's gospel that he's taught them, and he's saying, look, he's like, he's like that's the most important thing, but it does hurt. It hurts that you're bad-mouthing me. He tells them, he's honest with them. He says, it hurts me deeply. 
Later, he summarizes his internal emotional struggles. He says this, fighting without, this is how he describes it. We were fighting without and fear within. Fighting without and fear within. Man, I thought about 2021. If there's a tagline for 2021, we've been fighting without and struggling with fear within. So there's this emotional, emotional need. And so he talks about that. And then he talks about his spiritual suffering, spiritual hardship. Man, this thing is driving me nuts. I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. Let's see if I can fix it. All right, we'll try that. So he talks about spiritual, spiritual suffering, right? Uh, It wasn't just physical. It wasn't just emotional. It was also a spiritual attack and a testing. At at times, Paul must have wondered, has has all of this been in vain? Just all that I've labored for to share the gospel, to plant these churches, to, to proclaim God's word to you and his love for you. Has all the fruit of that just been fallen to the wayside? This, this spirit of despair, discouragement kind of comes over him. And he talks about that. And he's talking about this, this spiritual attack. N.T. Wright, talking about Paul's uh, kind of spiritual suffering here, he says this. He says, the dark powers had ways of striking at Paul who dared to encroach on their territory with the message of the one true God. They were attacking him. So there's a spiritual hardship and despair. Paul himself writes in chapter one, verse eight and nine, he says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we've experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Spiritual affliction, that's what he's describing there. And here's what's amazing. In all of this, describing all of this, Paul can still write, about the God who comforts us in all of our afflictions. So that all suddenly bears a lot of weight, doesn't it? When you begin to understand what Paul is describing, all, every single thing that he's experienced, God's comfort can bear all that, can respond to all that. Lying bloodied after being beaten, God comforts him. In danger, God comforts him. In worry and grief and betrayal and loss, God comforts him. In all our afflictions, Paul says, God comforts in all, so this physical, emotional, spiritual need that we have, Paul had it and we have it. Everyone has it. And I wonder this morning, what is your list of afflictions? Think about your life, your life experience. Think about what you're going through right now. What is your list of afflictions? Maybe it's chronic pain. Your body's failing you. Maybe it's chronic anxiety. Maybe it's a struggling marriage. Maybe it's spiritual apathy. Maybe it's sexual confusion. Maybe it's abuse, rejection, addiction, depression. I mean, the list can go on and on and on, right? And it's the God of all comfort, Paul says, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Really? God can do that? God can comfort me in all of that, all that this world throws at me. That's the claim. The question is, well, how? How how does God's comfort comfort us in all of those things? What is Paul talking about? What is this comfort of God? It's the second thing I want us to look at. What is the comfort of God? The truth is that we can find comfort in all kinds of things, can't we? We can find comfort in all kinds of things, and all kinds of good things. You know, when you're, when you're struggling, good news 
his good news, right? I mean, you get good news about a job. Maybe something as simple as hearing a familiar song on the radio that just connects with you, reminds you of a fond memory. It, it, it can be optimism about the future. It can be just time with a good friend. You know, lots of ways that we can experience comfort. Just a hug, right, sometimes. And these comforts can be gifts from the Lord, and they are gifts from the Lord in ways that he cares for us. But Paul here, he's, I think he's after something more. He's after something deeper, a deeper source of comfort when all other sources of comfort fail. When the song doesn't move you, when the promotion falls flat, when, the, when that hanging out with friends just doesn't quite comfort you. He's after something more. In fact, he's after more than just comfort. In that darkest hour, in those desperate places, he's after more than just comfort. He's actually after the comforter. He's after the God of all comfort himself. Listen to what he says in verse nine. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. To rely not on ourselves, but God, the God who raises the dead, who conquered death itself. In other words, Paul is likening his experience to receiving the sentence of death. That's how, that's how dark it is. That's how low he is. That's how much comfort he needs. And then he says, God used that to make me rely not on myself, but more on him. To look not to the world or to myself for comfort, but to look to the God of comfort. It's almost as if he's saying, I was forced. <laughs> I was forced there to turn to God and to rely on him. On him, he says, we have set our hope. It's interesting, in the Greek, the verb that uh, Paul uses here for, for comfort is parakaleo. I just love the sound of that word. Some Greek words ring more in my heart than others. Parakaleo, I don't know, I just, it connects. And part of the reason I love it is because it's this compound verb in which it means two things. It means near or around, and it also means to draw someone to oneself. And so it's almost like with Paul, he's literally using the word itself to communicate what it actually means, what it means to be comforted by the God of all comfort. At its heart, this idea is that you're in the presence of someone who's come alongside you and is actually calling you and drawing you to himself. That's what God's comfort is. It's him drawing you into his presence. I think about the words we just read. Kathy just shared from Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? You are with me. It's that God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. It's the comfort of God, our shepherd. In Isaiah, he talks about uh, the fact that it, it, it's God speaking to his people as a mother. This is what he said, it, it, as one who, who, who his mother's comfort comes to, so I will comfort you, is what Isaiah 66, 13 says. God's comfort comes with his presence. It didn't come, Psalm 23 highlights this, it doesn't come just to change our circumstances, to fix everything. The shepherd is guiding and walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean that comfort always includes a careful explanation 
of why. A mother to a child, her comfort is in her embrace. It's not the explanation of what's going on that brings the comfort. And so these pictures remind us that God comforts us, and it doesn't always mean delivering us. It can. He will. He does. And he ultimately will. When Jesus returns, he will deliver us from all that we suffer from. But Paul's also aware that not even death itself can take away the comfort he's received in Jesus. It's the fact that he is held by God and that nothing can break that bond that assuages his darkest fear. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he writes in Romans 8. And he can write that because he knows the God of all comfort. That's my question for us. Do you know the God of all comfort? Do you know his presence in your life? Jesus called the Holy Spirit. We read about this in John 14. Uh, The paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the advocate. He is the one who comes alongside. He is God's presence. I think so many of us struggle to experience God's comfort because we are avoiding intimacy with God. If we have an intimacy allergy, an intimacy avoidance when it comes to the Lord, Our pain has the ability, interestingly, to lead us one of two places, I think. It can lead us to the comfort of Christ, or it can actually lead us to hide from him in fear. In Genesis 3, we see that play out, and it happens over and over, this hiding, hiding from God. And unaddressed and unresolved pain covers the truth and the beauty of who we are. It's It's like corrosive rust, right? on who we are. It obscures our personhood in Christ. And when we choose to try and manage our pain with God, we resort to denying our pain. Sorry, when we, when we try to manage it without God, we resort to denying our pain. Right? We, we try to obscure it. We hide it. We, 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 we don't want anyone else or God even to see what's going on deep within us. Our hearts become the fertile ground then for sin that slowly but surely erodes and kills our intimacy with the Lord. True deep comfort is the fruit of true intimacy with the Lord. It's the comfort of God's salvation. It's the comfort that comes from being known and forgiven and understood and loved. It's the comfort that comes from being drawn to a God who gives us significance and meaning and purpose, something that this world can never take from us. That's the comfort we long for, and that's the comfort that the God of all comfort gives to us. There are numerous ways, I think, that God can do that, that we can experience this gift from him. I just want to highlight two Two ways that we experience God, God's comfort. The first one, I would say, is this, that we stop hiding and admit our need for his comfort. It just oftentimes just begins with acknowledging our need for God's comfort. Stop pretending 
acknowledge our need for him and his comfort. Later in his letter in chapters 11 and 12, Paul talks about this. He, he talks about the fact that, man, I, there's all these things I could boast in. You know what I want to boast in? I want to boast in my weakness. He boasts in his weakness. Paul was willing to admit his own weakness and his own dependence on the Lord. To receive God's comfort, we too must be willing to admit our weakness. We confess, we share, we reveal, we uncover, we name, we acknowledge our brokenness, our woundedness, our weakness, our sin. And I do just want to say a particular word to the men this morning. Ladies, if you'll indulge me for just, just a minute. I just want to speak to the men because I think, I think this is particularly difficult for us as men, acknowledging weakness before others and before the Lord. We bought into the idea that we, as men, our culture tells us as real men, ultimately you don't need comfort. You don't need comfort. Real men are tough. Real men endure. Real men push through. To admit that you need comfort is weak. And it's unmanly. And I just want you to know, men, nothing could be further from the truth. That is a lie. It's an absolute lie. If you don't admit that you need the comfort of Jesus, what happens is you actually leave yourselves vulnerable. Vulnerable to finding comfort in all the wrong places. In work, in worldly success, and things like sexual immorality and pornography, and addictions of all kinds, sports itself, uh, anger. I mean, just go down the list, and you can make it something that stands in the place of God as a source of comfort for the pain that you are unwilling to acknowledge you have. Now, admitting you need comfort doesn't make you weak actually makes you strong. I was thinking about what this, what this is like for us as men. I, I don't know if you've seen uh, Monty Python's The Holy Grail. There's a, scene, uh, there's a scene in there with the Black Knight. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? If you have, I, was gonna, I was like, should I show that? And I was like, no, my judgment got the better of me. I'm not going to show that clip. Uh, I'm not going to pull the Jack Wisdom uh, Monty Python clip. But I just thought of that, and it may sound silly, but here's the thing. If you haven't seen it, it's, 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 it's an absurdity. It's, it's Arthur coming to this black knight, and he basically says, you cannot pass unless you defeat me. And basically, Arthur does, and, and, and not to be over-the-top grotesque, but he, he cuts off his arms and his legs, and the black knight is there on the ground. And do you remember what he says? What he says to Arthur? He says, just a scratch. Just a flesh wound, you know? And it's, it's insane. It's absurd. It's crazy. And I think, men, a lot of us take that approach to the difficulties in our own lives and hearts. We take this approach where we just pretend. It's just a cut. It's just a scratch. Just a flesh wound. I'm fine. Soldier on. And we're pretending, and it's insane, and it's spiritually deadly. Receiving comfort, here's what I would say, receiving comfort takes guts. It takes courage to admit you feel weak 
that you feel broken, that you feel hurt, that you feel ashamed, that you are suffering. It's not tough to avoid facing these things. It's cowardice. And it comes at the cost of your own soul and it harms those you love. Without the comfort of God, there is no peace in your life. There's no healing. And the hurt only grows. So what do we need to do? Stop hiding. Stop pretending. Turn to the God of all comfort. Men and women, turn to the God of all comfort. Comfort comes through confession and crying out to God in prayer. Help me. It comes through turning to the promises in Scripture and allowing the Spirit to free you from the lies and the pain and the hiding. And that's God's invitation to us, the God of all comfort, the God who loves you and is for you and with you. Second way I'd say we experience God's comfort is that through, it comes through sharing his comfort to us with others. And we can share the comfort we ourselves have received. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. God comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. How beautiful is that? God comforts us so that we can then bring comfort to other people. Paul experiences firsthand. He talks about this in his letter. Later he says, Titus came to him. And through Titus' ministry to him, this brother in Christ, he was encouraged. He was, he was comforted. And so for Paul, it was the presence of a fellow Christian, a man who had endured afflictions but remained faithful. And the, the, the same thing is true for us. We need others in our lives that can bring us comfort. One of God's chief means of bringing his comforting presence and power to our hearts is through the presence of another Christian, another follower of Jesus. In some of the most difficult moments in my life, when I've been the most desperate for comfort from the Lord, praying for it, looking for it, the way he's answered those prayers is through someone in my life who came alongside me and brought comfort. They brought comfort more times than not because they themselves had received God's comfort in some particular way that now ministered to me as I needed that same comfort. I've experienced that through many of you. And I know you've experienced it through one another. There's something beautiful and powerful that God does. There's never anything that's wasted in the Lord's hands. Our afflictions, our suffering, when he comforts us, there's something beautiful that happens. He, he uses all of that to create in us a community of mutual comforters. And that's what we want to be at Apostles. We want to be that kind of community. We need God's comfort so that we can comfort one another. Maybe you've heard it say, uh, hurt people hurt people. Have you ever heard that? I think it's really true. But I, I wish that always came with the follow-up, which I would say, comforted people always comfort. When we ourselves have been comforted, we have something to share with those who are suffering. One of Satan's most powerful lies is that you're alone in your affliction. The only thing worse than suffering is suffering alone. Thinking that you're the only person who's ever gone through this and no one really cares about you and it's just you is a lie. 1 Corinthians 2.5, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort, Paul says. Paul sees every moment of the Christian life from sorrow to comfort as a sharing in the life and the work of Jesus Christ. It is the comfort of Christ 
in us that allows us to overflow with comfort that we share with others. So how do we experience God's comfort? We, we stop hiding and admit that we need his comfort, and then we share the comfort that we ourselves have received with others. Your testimony is most powerful when it stands as a living example of God's faithfulness and his comfort to you. Sharing how you've not only read and studied the scriptures, but how you've experienced the promises of God's word in your own life. That's where the power is. That's where the beauty is. It's not just knowledge. It's having taken the truth of God and lived into it. And in light of it, it's his comfort experience that you then can share with others. The way that God has freed you the way that God has ministered to you. And we want to be a community that shares that, that comforts one another, gives testimony to who God is and what he's done in our life. So I want to encourage us to do that. So just to end, two questions. Do you need comfort today? Turn to the God of all comfort. Have you received his comfort Comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Amen? Amen. Amen.